Yo, 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 what is good? Avery here. I want to give a listener discretion advisory for episode 44 of the Brad and Avery Hour. With Mike filling in once again, the language got a little bit salty. So, heads up. But beyond that, enjoy the show. Hey guys, Carmen David here, and you're listening to Brad and Avery Hour. Hey, what's going on? This is Master G coming your way. And is there an hour you need to lock into? Yes, it's the Brad and Avery Hour, the only hour you need to lock into. What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to the Brian Avery Hour, episode number 44, the Sheldon Surrey Show. I had a Sheldon Surrey jersey when I was a kid. Well, did you, eh? I did. That is true. And then I taped over it and put Corey Potter on the back. Because well, I didn't like Sheldon Surrey for some reason. Even though, like, modern day, uh, he's a hero for calling out the terrible Oilers management. That he did. You're probably wondering again, I'm Avery Lewis McDougall, and no Brad Barco this week. Brad's away this week, so I called upon, once again... Mr. Mike Wilson to fill in. I'm back and beardier than ever. We're recording this on Avery's phone because he forgot the camera, and that's why we're so close together. Well, hey, the camera quality is perfect, so... Also, there's crumbs all over Avery's laptop. <laughs> He's eating sandwiches, like, 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 over top of his I am laptop. Not, why gotta be like that? Doesn't I am dust not. it off. This is gross. That is not true. Looking at it right that now. That is a lie. There's, like, cheese lie. the keys. I bet that key doesn't even work because <laughs> it's stuck with that cheese. lie. That's some fake news right there, Mike. That's right in front of me, man. You're, you're like thick, you get food in your beard all the time, Bats. Yeah. And then that's I gross. clean it out. That's disgusting. And then I clean it out. See, I have no beard. Yeah, that's I'm an smooth. indictment. You're not even smooth. You need to shave. You got patches. <laughs> we went through this last episode. No, we didn't. Yeah, it was last episode. And it was like, not. Oh. You're like, oh, oh, look, I have a beard. And then I took the camera and I zoomed it in, and you do not. It's it's gross. Settle down. Shave. Avery doesn't know how to shave why his own face. He has to pay a barber shave? to do it. What do you mean? I know how to shave. I know how to I shave, I used to do too. it all the time. When I get haircuts, my face gets cleaned up. When I get a shave. Yeah, you're telling me that the barber shaves for you. Yeah. You it's don't nice. Shave it's a little perk. I do it myself sometimes. It's you should do it every with... day. <laughs> hey, not every day. What? Why every day? Because otherwise you look like that. <laughs> People can't tell the cameras right now. They can't see it. It's too far away. because you're using a cell phone. Either way, on a big camera, they couldn't tell either way. Anyways... You Sound know, off in the comments if you can see Avery's terrible they patchy can't. facial hair. They won't be able to see it. They, anyways, anyway, episode 44, we're talking Oilers. We're talking the lease invading Rogers Place when I was away. We're talking the GM search. We're getting closer, I think, to a new GM. We're talking Antonio Brown to the Raiders. And the Raiders having no home. Still, we're talking the Lakers. Yeah, didn't they just get... It might fall through again. It might fall through again. Yep. Didn't they just sign a lease in Oakland to stay another year? Nope. The, nope. It might fall through again. It's not confirmed. Oh. See, counselors can't agree on the lease. I see. And deadline's tomorrow. So if that falls through, then they're screwed once again. They'll find some. London. <laughs> yeah, they're playing in Regina in the preseason. Really? Yeah, apparently that's almost confirmed. They'll play in Regina almost in confirmed. the preseason. Why Regina? Against, I don't know. Against Green Bay. Everything's in Regina. You got the Heritage Classic. You got NFL games. It is. It is Where's weird. ours? Huh? We got a big stadium. It, it is it's weird. It's bigger. It, it is strange how it gets through Regina for an NFL game over at BC or Edmonton. It's the town that rides with fun. That's all they know. Thank you, Mr. Onright. <laughs> and you steal Jay's content. Why are you, why are you stealing their content, Mike? I love to steal content. That's what wow. I'm here. I'm here to regurgitate other people's better takes. <laughs> that because is, I'm not an expert myself. Well, you were a former journal reporter in the sports media world. Many moons ago. That's very broad. Well, you were. Am I lying? I guess. You... I worked for the National Lacrosse League yes. I mean, well, as a beat reporter. And when you were on the air last time we had you on, we discussed you getting us banned from the National Lacrosse League. We had lifetime bans. And then until we didn't. Yes. I think the only reporters ever get banned and then reinstated from a sports league. I bet there's been others. Probably. I know. If you know of some... Put it in the comments. Sound off. <laughs> anyway. So Sound off if you got banned by a professional sports <laughs> uh, Anyways, we're talking, I, we're talking over dinner at the Empton Oilers, and right now they're up on the Rangers, 2 nothing. You date right. the show, man. Come on. you got to keep things evergreen. It's a live your, show right is now. This is your first time? It is a live is show. It's your first time it doing a, a show. show. It is a live show, Michael. For the live pe- for the people who are live. And then they're watching discussing. the Oilers game and not us. You never know. Multitasking. One eye on the TV, one eye on Brian Avery Hour, one eye on your children. The Mike and Avery Hour. Yes, the Mike and Avery Hour. I like how I already get top billing. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Sorry, Avery and Mike hour. How's that? Live from good. Live from doesn't ha- sound as good. Doesn't sound good. Live from Halley's in West Edmonton Mall. And you know what? This season has just been. I said it before the year began, Mike. Change in the camera. You know there I you said. A, you know, Mike. I said before this year began. This is not a playoff team. And you know what's funny? People are getting their hopes up for a team that's still seven points out of a playoff spot. They're not making it. I wouldn't they're say not. people are getting their hopes up as much as uh, they're just like, please just do something. Make me care <laughs> once. <laughs> uh, like, I'm cheering for the games because I'm just like, well, it's better than cheering for losing. You know? Cheering, we've done enough cheering for losing and tanking and everything. Like, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs, and hopefully they get a decent draft pick. Well, you but you want not, Jack I'm, Hughes. Well, I want uh, – of course I want Jack Hughes, <laughs> but, like, who am I kidding? Uh, they're kind of in that middle, middle range, but they're not a playoff team. They're not a lottery team, but – like what are you gonna cheer? You gotta watch. You're gonna watch the games, so you might as well cheer for wins. I wouldn't call getting my hopes up. I, I don't think I, uh, since the All Star break I've ever had uh, a concrete hope about making the playoffs. But you know, you still if you're still watching the games. You want them to be entertaining, I and uh, I would say entertaining to me means uh, winning. True, I guess. It's funny because you mentioned over dinner how there are fans selling tickets on site for $16. With fees. With so, fees. So it's like what, $8. Like $8? Yeah. That is... And, and I still won't pay that. <laughs> I'm not... Yeah, I'm not going to any games. I'm not paying for it. I, I, I don't know why... Like, and I get why other people do it. My own personal reason is just like, I'm not going to give them money. Yeah. Um, and be like, hey, I approve of this. <laughs> Fair enough. And it's like, I'm not even giving them money because I know it's secondhand retailers and fans are just trying to recoup whatever they can because they couldn't bear to go to the arena and watch another suck fest. Uh, but yeah, I, I also don't want to go to the arena and bear another suck, suck fest. No, and pe- you know what, though? It's, I've said before in this podcast how people can say, yeah, this team sucks, this team blows, but there's always going to be 50 more people who will take those tickets and who will yeah. go. Like, well, and it's be- like sometimes like these are the best... Uh, when I was younger, these are the best times to take a kid to their first game, or sure, if you're poor, it's point. like you can afford to go to games where you can't when they matter, um, and that's fine. And I think I think it's good that boy, there's fans of all economic backgrounds should get a chance to go to games, and these are good opportunities to go. Um, I'm just making a personal decision not to. I can watch the games on TV just fine. Exactly, and avoid going downtown looking for parking, fighting up the thousands of fans who are equally as pissed off as you are. I mean, like I'm not I'm not <laughs> against. Uh, Going downtown or, or, or to the arena, I think it's a nice thing to do. I think it's a, a good atmosphere. But, again, I'm just, I've decided that I'm not going to endorse it, I guess. Oh, fair enough. And now, and now the gym search from Bob Nicholson now. Bob Nicholson, to me, should not be, to me, when they fired Shirley, it should have been Bob going too. Yes. Both of them should have been gone. There's nothing that Bob Nicholson has done that says, oh, I've done, I've, like, improved the Oilers organization since I've got here at all. No. Um. If anything, he's he's share equal blame for every bad decision that he's endorsed or approved that have gone through. You know, even you can say that Peter Shirley had autonomy, but then you could also counter, well, maybe he shouldn't have. Uh, he Bob Nicholson came right out and said that he did no research before hiring Peter Shirley, Why would you and now that? he's coming out and saying that. Well, this time I'm going to do some research, and people are like, "Bravo, sir." He's doing it the right way. It's like, why are we, why are we congratulating him for maybe kind of doing his job? And then it comes out that he's just like, he's going to other GMs and being like, so uh, who do you think I should hire? As if they would be like, I don't know, my cousin. Like, fuck off. <laughs> Yo, sh- hire the stupid. You should hire Peter Shirelli again. I think he's smart. Like, if you're another like, team, Dave Nonis. Yeah, you should hire Dave Nonis. Yeah, well, so according to Jaron Drager, everyone should always hire Dave Nonis. Well, that's a bigger uh, issue. But we don't know. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I wonder why. I just like. If, you, if you're Bob Nicholson, why are you saying this stuff publicly? Why are you saying it? You look dumb. You look like an idiot. Well, to be quite honest, he's not smart, folks. Bobby Nix, um, or if, if he is, uh, it's not in the capacity of president of hockey operations or or whatever his what's, what's his title? He's the president of hockey operations. Yeah, president. No, that was Australia's job. He's hired. The he's, no, he, I think now. he's just head of hockey. I don't know. Whatever his job is, yes. uh, I, I think it would be very easy to say he didn't do it well. No. And, and, and currently isn't. Uh, I, just, I just don't know what evidence you have to say that, go, that points to, like, hey, this is a man that will lead the team uh, to successful periods in the future. I don't know, like, all of his background with Hockey Canada stuff, which he didn't even pick. You could say, like, it's, it's 
oh, it's so hard to go to John Tavares and Steven Samkos and Sidney Crosby and Brad Marchand and be like, hey, guys, uh, you want to come play for the only team you're eligible to play for? Uh, that's one thing. Yeah. And he didn't even do that. He's the guy who picked, like, Steve Eiserman and Doug Armstrong, exactly. the guys who actually even did that. So he was even less involved. Um, but, like, even with these comments, he goes, like, he's asking, uh, Jim Matheson came out and said, like, they should ask Steve Eiserman who he would hire. And it's like, why would Steve Eiserman want to help you? If he's either, he, if he's going to if he's going to any other organization but yours, if he's going to Detroit, if he's going to Seattle, wherever, why would he want to help you in any way? You're not friends. I mean, and, no. and maybe they are, but like your colleagues first, and, and he's trying to have a successful team on his own. Exactly. I don't know, and it's, and it's a thing the Oilers have done. Like team, uh, Steve Tambellini said, uh, Steve Eiserman's a guy who liked Nick Schultz, and it was like, why are you appealing to that authority? Shouldn't you be the authority and say, I like this guy. Like I think this is a guy who can do it. Our team. It's like it's not a good sell to to the fans or the media or whatever you're trying to do to be like, well, this other guy liked this player. Be like. Uh, good. Do you think there was maybe like another motive in endorsing no. him, yeah. like actively making one team that they have to play worse? <laughs> I, I, I don't think he was doing that, but I feel like it's really weird to come out and be like, "Well, these other smart guys are doing it." It's like, "Well, you're supposed to be the smart guy. Like, what do yeah. you? Who do you think?" And obviously, uh, anything that these guys think may it be Peter Shirelli, may it be Bob Nicholson, may it be Keith Gretzky in his role as assistant GM with the Oilers or uh, with the Boston Bruins. Uh, I don't know if there's a single anything you can point to that says these guys are qualified hockey executives. You know, Peter Shirelli's track record with the Oilers uh, is, is known. But when people say, well, like, well, Keith Tretzky's not involved, well, he was there for all of the moves. Yes, he's right-hand man. Yeah, right-hand man. So he's in the organization. <laughs> he's in the meetings where... Um, you know, they're saying that Tyler Sagan's just not the, a Bruin. Mm-hmm. So they got to trade him. He's a part of that meeting. You know, you ha- he was the man in charge of the draft when the Bruins had three picks overall and could have taken uh, Matt Barzell, uh, Kyle, Kyle Connor, Connor. and uh, Kylington. Mm-hmm. And then he picked uh, none of those three guys. And all <laughs> those three guys uh, are very good. Yes. Better than uh, DeBrusque, uh, Zborl, mm-hmm. and the third guy. I'm trying to recall offhand. I'm going to look it up. Yes. But you're right, though. And what really concerns me is that once I know we discussed this last time on the phone here, you on, is the fact that you have an owner who clearly is not paying attention and does not care. Because, you, yes, you, want, you don't want your owner to be meddling too much, but your owner should be caring about his franchise going down the, down the toilet. If I'm an owner, I don't want my GM or future GMs looking silly. I don't, I don't want... Zach Seneshin. Zach Jeez. So picked after him was Matt Barzell, what a Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, whiff, whiff, twenty uh, third overall, Brock Besser, whiff again, Travis Konecki, whiff, twenty four, whiff. <laughs> like come on, Keith, you whiffed hard on this, Pete. You guys whiffed hard. You guys whiff. I'm just here in the air. Whiff. Yeah, whiff. So I don't know what people are saying. Oh, look, he got – it's like he didn't crap his pants when he became the GM of the Oilers. So he got – he acquired Sam Gagne, who on a good team is a, probably a good third-line forward. I like Sam Gagne. I think he so does possession. No, I do. And he's a good power play guy. Mm. That's great. He's the guy – he was also there when they traded Ryan Strom for uh, Ryan Spooner. And he was yes. there when they traded Jordan Eberle for Ryan, Ryan Strom. Strom. So he was a part of the other stuff. <laughs> So I don't know why he's like, ah, oh, they fixed it. And then they go to a trade deadline where they have no hopes of making the playoffs. Free agents in Alex Petrovic. Uh, you got a guy who he also helped acquire Brandon Manning. Mm-hmm. You got Alex Chason, who you could get a third-round pick for or something. Um, she decided to do absolutely nothing. And, and the thing is, like, it's such an easy play to go draft picks are at their lowest value at the trade deadline and the highest value during the draft, which is the time where you would think the GM of the Oilers would <laughs> – Make a move. You would and think. that's so you think you can trade a guy like Chase on, you get a third pick, let's say. Mm-hmm. People think, oh, that's not anything. But you can go to the draft and you can acquire a middle six forward, maybe for a third round pick. Or nice. you package that pick with a bunch of others, you get a much needed top six forward. But that's an asset that they are just wasting. So now he's either going to be a free agent or more uh, also likely they give him a big stupid contract because he had a career year at the age of 31. <laughs> like, they're gonna give him a bunch of money, and he's never gonna repeat this. And they're gonna be, and they're gonna act surprised again. Yeah. It's so it's like it's a lose lose situation. Unless you can sign Alex Jason for under a million dollars again, which I highly doubt. You you lost. Yeah. No, he's getting over a million dollars next yeah. year. It's gonna happen. 
Yeah, and if it's with the Oilers, that's a bad move, and it's by whatever other team, it's a bad move. Like, this guy scored has scored twice since December. It was a big heater at the start of the year, uh, one that he's never seen in his entire career, and people are like, well, that's the guy we're getting for the next, well, they'll give him a four-year, whatever, $12 million contract. Right. Like, as if. But like they never, it's it's they never learn. So it's like anyone who's saying that Keith Gretzky is the most qualified for the job, um, like what what do you have to say? Like what has he done that's shown that? Exactly. And what are the odds that one of the most um, disappointing and destructive franchises in NHL history over over the last twelve years, but more so uh, over Shirelli's tenure? Um, who's to say that like well, obviously the best guy in the world at being a general manager who's available is the guy that we had the whole time and was a part of every screw-up that everyone is now very vocal about. <laughs> it just, it doesn't, it keeps repeating itself over and over again. This franchise does not learn its mistakes. Well, it'd be like, yeah, like, it, it, it's to me, it's the same thing. It's just like someone being like, well, we got to do a, uh, a GM search. What if we interviewed Peter Shirelli? Like, he was a part of, like, Keith Kretzky was a part of all, every move that... Um, Shirelli made, and if he wasn't, then what what is he doing? Like he he's not speaking out to maybe get a better deal, or or he's staying quiet to keep his job. But the trade deadline didn't inspire any confidence. No. Like he's coming out and be like, hey, we're not gonna uh, torch our prospects, which is fine. Like that's a good thing to do. But like the bar is so is is three inches off the ground. Like I don't know I don't know what he's done to earn it. He. Uh, his brother brought chairs in the Coyotes. He worked for the Coyotes. Yes. He left. Uh, he went to the Bruins for a bit. Um, the, tool, the the three draft pick thing happened. The Tyler Sagan trade had happened. He came to the Oilers and was a part of uh, this blow up. It just and so it's like I don't I don't know what, what part of his resume people point to and be like this is the guy I want running my team in and, the future. And I saw a great tweet earlier. I can't remember who it was from. It was saying how if. With any team but the Oilers, would keep you running for a GM job? Hell no. No. Yeah, yeah. let's let's say let's say <laughs> any other team. Say the Columbus Blue Jackets are looking for a new D, uh, GM. Yarmulke Kekalainen gets fired because he spent all these draft picks and, and they didn't even make the playoffs. Let's say that that happens. Do you think they're going in Columbus like, well, let's let's look at Keith Gretzky? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're not. Like no other team is doing it. No other team, if New, if New Jersey fired Ray Shiro, yeah. are they going to go for Keith Gretzky? No. Not a chance. No. So why would the Oilers? <laughs> why, why did you think that the best guy in the world at this that's available, you're like, oh, he was here the whole time and a part of this whole terrible franchise. <laughs> like, it, it makes no sense. And the thing is, too, you have the GM search. Now, I'll give, I'll give Nicholson credit. He is going to look at a guy like, like a Lawrence Gilliman, a Mike Fuda, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of guys he knows personally. And to me, Bob, expand your search list. Go for guys who aren't your buddies. Well, and that's why people brought in. He's a <laughs> Hockey Canada guy. Everyone's his buddy. And his, he brought in his buddy, Peter Shirley, and we all know how well that look, look, turned out. Yeah. But it's like, at the end of the day, with everything he's saying, it's the same stuff that he said when he hired Peter Shirley, when Tamalini got hired. And not him, but like the organization. Right. Like, he keeps saying, like, oh, well, we got all these expectations. Like, do you guys remember the forensic, uh, forensic audit? <laughs> Which is a thing in businesses you do when you're accused of fraud. Like, that's not... How that term works, um, and then they came out and said, "Well, we have a plan." And their plan was, "Okay, we're going to sign Tobias Reeder and Kyle Brodziak, and then hope Puliarvi and Yamamoto turn out." Like they they knew Sekera was gone in August, and then yeah. they made the move. They made was let's PTO Jason Garrison, like. And then when <laughs> things got really bad, they're like, "Well, we got to get." Brandon Manning in here will trade our fifth leading scorer for a guy who's now buried in the AHL and still has another year on his deal. Like, like it couldn't be worse. And these guys are the ones who come up to Oilers fans in the media and, and and the owner and say, we have a plan. And is that a plan? Is And if that is your plan, then... It's a horrible ooh, plan. Horrible plan. But it, <laughs> to me, it more so uh, goes that you do not have a plan and never have had one. So who are the fans or the media or who... who is supposed to trust you when you go, well, we have a plan and we're going to execute it. Be like, it's, it's either a really bad plan that comes apart at the seams, uh, uh, to the slightest breeze, or, or you didn't have a plan in your life. No, and my thing again is in business. The CEO, if this wasn't sports, would say, this is embarrassing, you're all fired. Yeah. But Daryl Cage has done nothing 
Well, nope. he likes to hang out with his buddies, or or he doesn't care, and it's probably a bit of both. But you're you're a businessman, and these men are bringing down one of your major assets, and you're letting it happen. Like you are doing nothing, right? Nothing and, at all. But but it's also, I don't think, it's that simple. Um, when you, I, I mean, we talked about this last time, yeah. But you also break it down to, he's he th- he mu- he might just genuinely think that Nicholson <laughs> is the right guy to get them out of this. Um, and he doesn't look at, well, he got you there. Like, yeah, and people should be fired. But if he thinks, like, okay, well, this is the guy I hired and, and you still trust him, I guess you give him this time. You know, Friedman went on uh, the hot stove on Saturday saying, like, Bob Nicholson wants to be here for the long haul. Well, and of course he does. Like, I'd be embarrassed if I was in yeah. the position he's in and uh, for his professional career, but for his, like, own personal, like, concept of self you want to be the guy to fix it and obviously Daryl Cates uh, either doesn't care which we can't say or he thinks that Nicholson is still the guy for the job and if he, and if that's what he thinks that's that's going to be the thing and that that goes to his like evaluator uh, evaluations of his employees may, may be off but you can't say that people aren't doing uh, or that he doesn't care about winning or, or improving the financial viability of the franchise which which that's not in trouble but no, obviously you want that playoff revenue you got luxury boxes yeah. expiring uh going into next year so those are big things for the for the team and you gotta have like you gotta have a quality team to inspire fans to spend that money of course uh and you don't have it but he might think like well you know we still have the best guys on it and i think it's been proven that that's not the case but he, he still may think that you still might. And you mentioned the G- you mentioned um, Elliot Freeman. Freeman also mentioned too the idea of Ken Holland coming here. Now, I gotta say, you no. Know, if you want to give Justin Abdelkader a big deal, Ken Holland's your man. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Like, stay, what, stay what far done? away what from Ken he, Holland. Yeah, what right has he now? done with the Red Wings in the last ten years since they won the won the cup? Because they're right now currently a team who's a bottom feeder without a big pool of prospects. Um, or anything to get excited about. They have a lot of old guys on big, long deals, big, long, expensive deals. And they got Dylan Larkin, mm-hmm. and they got Anthony Mantha, Anthony Mantha, uh, Anthony Siu, Anthony, um, and they got uh, Zidina. Yeah. So there's four kind of guys. That's it, really. And even and like aside from like Larkin and Anthony Siu, they're not like I don't think Anthony Mantha is a premier first line player. He's a he's a good there's player. There's no depth on the team. Uh, they just trade Nicholas Jensen to the Capitals. Like they don't, I don't know what they have on D. Like that's not a team that really inspires you. Trevor Daly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it inspires you. And we we've talked about this like personally a lot. But yeah. I think I said it on the show last time. Is what other uh, field besides sports do you get fired for incompetence? And then other t- other firms are waiting to get you. You fail up, right? The only way, <laughs> yeah. The only way Ken Holland is available to be the GM of the Oilers is if the Red Wings say, well, you're not good enough to be the GM of the Red uh, of the Red Wings. So the Oilers would be like, well, the Red Wings garbage is our treasure. Uh, the Red Wings are terrible. <laughs> like, like uh, again, I don't know what's inspiring. I, you, you know what's so amazing, Mike? Like you can say, like, yeah. yeah, you can say, like, I like Mike Gillis. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a part of a good Vancouver He was. Team. He, he didn't was. acquire a lot of the pizzas, but he could negotiate contracts, and they, they thunk uh, him and Lawrence Gilman thought out of the box. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Like, uh, Fuda, you think he did a good job in building a strong, like, three-time cup winner uh, with the LA Kings? Yes, he did. Uh, then, yeah, sure. But if you're going to these guys like Ken Holland, like uh, Dave Nonis, um, other guys who have been GMs. John really, Ferguson John Jr. Ferguson was like, Jr. oh, my gosh. And I think him and Nonis are two guys <laughs> who are really good at just, like, getting their names out there, being like, yeah, like, Friedman, uh, going back to him, has always said, like, there's some people who are out there, but some people who are like, hey, man, just put my just put my name out there. It might not be, but stirs the buzz. Maybe it can help me out. And they do it as a favor because he's been a good source before. And that's, that's the thing. Like, Dave Nonis is J- Darren Drager's brother-in-law. Like, it's been... He's done it in Toronto, and now he's doing it in Edmonton. Dreyer will go wherever he can, sit on the radio, and talk about Dave Nordis so, so he can get a job because they're friends. Or they're family. They're family. So, like, I, I wouldn't take any anything from Dreger about Nordis seriously. You haven't heard his name from, from McKenzie or Sarabali or Friedman. Sure you um, haven't. So that um, the, uh, Kelly McCrimmon, sure, I guess. I mean... Again, but, like, these aren't, these aren't inspiring names, but... 
the the caveat to that is a guy who people thought was really smart. He was the next big one, is Paul Fenton, and he traded Nieder Niederreiter, who has been the savior for the Canes, for Victor Rask, a player who sucks. <laughs> he just sucks. Yeah, no, Minnesota's done. Yeah, and they can't stop winning. The Wild. You know that. So yeah, a GM search isn't easy. No, but of I feel it like is. you can't just go up to your buddies and be like, "Hey, yo, do you know anyone?" It's like, "Why don't you do some research? Why don't you yeah. talk to people yourself? Do some interviews, and not including the guy who's just sitting around." Because no, I guess exactly. that's easier. You know what? And the one and the one expert I will allow to be considered for this is Bill Guerin. Bill Guerin's gone through the proper channels to become a GM. Yeah. He left Edmonton. He didn't come back immediately to the Oilers. Yeah. He killed it in Pittsburgh. So far as the AGM there, yeah. he'd do fine. But again, like. The thing with AGMs is it's impossible to say um, what what they do, right? So you go AGM Keith Gretzky. Well, he was a part of all those bad trades. Right. Um, AGM Bill Guerin. Like, you know, the Penguins won back-to-back cuffs, but they've also made trades for Jack Johnson and Eric Edmondson and Ryan paid a first-round pick for Ryan Fair Reeves. Enough. But a team that survived because, oh, you know, when you have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and you turn an ECHL guy, Jake Gensel, into a 30-goal uh, even-strength scorer, um, you can do pretty all right. So, uh, like Kelly McCrimmon, how much of he, was he responsible for the Vegas Golden Knights' success? And two, because the Oilers don't have a dispersal draft or uh, an expansion draft drafts. coming up, uh, is he going to be able to replicate that in the same way? Are the conditions the same? Um, so I always wonder when people bring up assist, Paul Fenton again, assistants, it was like, well, was he driving a lot of stuff from behind the scenes that you don't know about, or was right. he kind of just there along for the ride? Um, because you don't really have a resume for them be like well they've made these trades they've done this kind of stuff um you don't know what they're responsible for so it's hard to judge those guys uh but i do i do think that former gms in the league are recycled a bit too much no and i I get that with coaches because sometimes you can get a coach who you know he kind of he's been there too long you lose the room a bit uh you just need to shake it up and that's fine you can go and have success in a different market um, just because, you know, maybe Chicago and Joel Quenville. Like, no one's bringing Chicago to the playoffs. Joel Quenville wasn't the issue. It was the roster. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they find they just need to have a coaching change. Maybe he doesn't want to be – maybe it turned out that this – I know this wasn't the case, but maybe there's a situation where, uh, like, John John Gibbons and the Blue Jays. So, like, you don't want to be the coach for a rebuilding team. Exactly. That's not, that's not what you, you're kind of in there to push players to win. Um, same with Ken Hitchcock, not a, not a guy who's there to mentor the kids. Right. So you can get coaching changes up, change ups, and have different coaches to fit different situations for teams. But I feel like a general manager, the job's pretty much the same: build a good team, win hockey games. And if you have a guy who's fired because he didn't build a good team, I don't know what's going to change when he goes to a different franchise with different stuff to play with. Yeah, it's, no, it's a very good point. It's a very good point. And Mike, um, going from the Oilers as a whole to the NHL, I want to talk to you about the NHL playoffs. And now, I saw some scenarios. I don't know anything about the NHL playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm an Oilers fan. <laughs> wow. Wow, gotta be, gotta be like that, eh? Gotta be like that. Yeah. There's some scenarios I saw. If the playoffs started today, yes. some of these playoff series included Vegas, San Jose, Toronto, Toronto against Boston. That would also be good. Now, what are your thoughts on the playoff series? Like, what are your thoughts on, like, I know, I know you're a big, to you, Mike, the least. Getting clowned is a funny thing. I'm Team Chaos when it comes to not the Oilers, uh, (laughs) and it would be the funniest thing if the Leafs, um, if if Twitter would tell you the greatest team of all time, uh, who are are, you know far behind the division lead, um, get demolished, and and everyone's complaining about the playoff series, like oh we're a top five team and we have to play another good team. I always say if you want to win the Stanley Cup, you're gonna have to beat a good team. Like let's say you play someone bad play Columbus in the first round. What do you do? You still have to play the Lightning. Like, I don't get playoff teams being like, oh, I have a hard matchup. This should be, this shouldn't be the second round. This should be the third round. I don't care if you lose in the second round or the third round or the last round. You're not the best team if you don't beat all the good teams. You're not there to be like, oh, well, we made it to the second. Like, if the Leafs make it to the second round and get stomped by Tampa, are people going to be like, well, this is fine. No, they're going to be pissed that their team lost. And the playoff format has nothing... Like, no impact on that. People want to see 1-8, 2-7. I don't care. I actually like this playoff series for the same reason Gary Bettman does, and it builds rivalries. As an Oilers fan, I couldn't tell you. I, I, I didn't really care about the Ducks. They Ryan Kessler holds Cam Talbot's pad, and they beat the Oilers in that series, and I loathe them now. 
Like it builds rivalries. That's You're what you right, want. You want Pittsburgh, point. Washington. You want a Boston, Toronto, Toronto series that gets ratings mm-hmm. because people because they hate each other and people have it anticipating. Yeah. What you'd rather have Tampa Bay play Carolina? Like that's who cares? Well, I don't. That'd be fun. It would You're gonna the, get the David like, beat the Goliath. No, but like what what it is is what people want is they want the regu- they say they want the regular season to mean something, which means that if you're a good team, you should get an easy playoff opponent, and you should get a cakewalk to the Stanley Cup final because well you worked hard for it. But the way I see it is like you have to beat every team in the you have to be the better team after the first four rounds. You're right, and though. you're gonna you're have correct. to beat good teams to do it. And I don't care if you have to if you're the, if you're the fourth best team and you have to beat. Three, the number three, number two, and number one team to get there. I don't care about the road. You just have to be the last team standing. It's true. That's it. Yeah, and people just talk about the best teams of all time. Like, in humor, 2006, Detroit Red Wings mm-hmm. were considered one of the best teams of all time. Mm-hmm. President's Trophy winners. Yeah. 120 points. And who did they lose to in round one? You know, the eighth seed Oilers. Mm-hmm. The Vancouver Canucks, President's, <laughs> President's Trophy winners, multiple times, lost in the first round. Like, yeah. people lose in the first round to bad teams. Yeah. So just because you have to play a good team in the first round, everyone's like, boo-hoo, this is unfair. Unfair in what way? You're there to win. You have to play good teams to beat them. Right? Again, you, the Leafs beat Boston, sure. Let's, let's say they do that. You still have to play Tampa. And then you're like, ooh, ooh, this should be the conference final. Are you going to be happy losing in the conference final to Tampa? No. <laughs> when they clown you, you're going to be like, well, our team isn't good enough. So it's like, it's not, if it's not good enough for the first round, then it's not good enough for the Stanley Cup final, which is the only thing you care about anyways. And, and now I'm hearing that in Toronto. People are suggesting that at least lose again the first round. Babcock should be toast. I'm hearing that in Toronto. And like, I, you know what? I don't disagree with it. I think a lot of times he, he sticks to... Uh, his deep pairing is a bit too much, even when they're not working. He's a heavy, heavy hockey guy. He is, yes. And I don't think his background is as good as people think he is. People think he's the best coach in the hockey world. But what has he done uh, aside from coach a stacked Canadian team to some gold medals? Like, a stacked Red Wings team. And a stacked Red Wings team. It was, the, it was, the be- was one of the best teams of the last 20 years. Yeah. 30 years was that Red Wings team. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, take Nick Lidstrom, uh, one of the best, maybe the best, defenseman of all time yeah. off the roster and then what do you got? And now you have the Leafs who don't have Nick Lidstrom nope. but they have a great forward core but you just can't get like you want to keep playing Ron Hainsey <laughs> like, that's not going to do it. It's like and, 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 and don't get me wrong my point isn't that if the Leafs lose to the Bruins it's Mike Babcock's fault because mm-hmm. it isn't. It's just that I don't think he can be blameless if anything happens in any scenario. He's not. I, I think he's a bit, as a coach, overrated. But I also don't think that uh, coaching is as big of an impact as people can think. No, I agree with you on that. And this is a team where you know I didn't don't, I don't ask you. Speaking the least, Mike, I didn't ask you. Yeah. We didn't get a chance to do it on on the on the podcast before, but the John Tavares return to the Island, to Long Island, to me. I felt that Islander fans were petty because Brandon Brandon talked about this briefly. To me, John Tavares left on his own accord. Yes. He was a free agent. Mm -hmm. He could do what he wanted. And Brad felt like, and Brad didn't feel the same way to an extent, but I just think that if he he didn't, he didn't, he didn't demand to be traded. No. He said all the right things. And that's you, that's what he would pay you with a bunch of, a bunch of air, a bunch of, oh, you traitor, you snake, you just do that. Come on, grow up. Sport, it's sports. It's theater. People want people to hate. They want they want their heroes. They want their enemies. I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, hey, this guy left because he did. He's, he he left. I don't care. I don't care what people think. He decided to go play for a different team. He didn't play Chris you can, Conger, though. And you're allowed to be mad about that. But you're allowed. But like, I don't. I don't. I think you're allowed to boo. I think anyone who gets mad that oh they're booing this guy, uh, I don't care. Like, that's their right. They bought their tickets. They're coming to the game. They get to boo. Yeah, they can, but... I think the worst thing is all the Toronto dorks being like, Oh, JT, no, they booed him. Let's give him a big Toronto welcome and show he's welcome here. Yeah, the guy's making $11 million (laughs) a year and playing for a good team. I think he's fine. You know, uh, you know, I understand Leaf fans... I got a break. (laughs) All right, you know what? I understand Leaf fans wanting to support Tavares, but I'll agree with you on that one, one thing, Mike. It was a bit weird that Leaf fans did kind of do this kumbaya thing with Tavares because I'll admit John has Mike is Mike running trust me Mike is going he's just sprinting to the back <laughs> but you know Mike makes a good point though John Tavares making 11 million dollars a year John is a big boy he's a grown up you know what yeah 
it would suck to see New York bashing you, but he's a grown-up in that sense, says. <laughs> I never had a guest just run off on the Brian Avery Hour like the way Mike just did. That was funny. That was hilarious. He'll be back in a second, though, so we'll keep going here on the Brian Avery Hour, episode 44. Live from Howley's in Westminster Mall. Anyway, you know what? Let's thank our sponsors. Let's thank Howley's. Let's thank Travel Guru, Sanker Boy Hyder. Let's thank Dave, Shaq, Raymar for letting us do the podcast here every week. We've been here at Howley's now for what about 12 weeks, and we just love the atmosphere here. We love coming down here. I was here a couple nights ago with a buddy of mine for dinner. Great atmosphere for dinner. The service was wonderful. The boys here always take care of myself, Brad, our friends. And they'll take care of you here at Halley's. Yes, they will. Yes, they absolutely will. And I want to get into some football talk. So when Mike gets back, we'll get into it with Mike as well. Antonio Brown is no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler. Antonio Brown is now a member of the Oakland Raiders. Traded a couple days ago. And it was funny because if you, if you watch football, if you watch NFL, you saw the whole Antonio Brown drama in which Antonio Brown on Twitter... The man wasn't even traded yet and already said he's leaving Pittsburgh. He was still a Steeler and he was on Twitter saying, thanks for memories, I'm moving on from Pittsburgh. Thanks. What? You're going to actually say that when you're still under contract and they have not even negotiated a deal for you yet to leave. And then, of course, the first deal came, Antonio Brown to Buffalo, which... If you, depending on who you ask, it happened, they said no, or Buffalo moved excuse me, moved on from Antonio Brown. But on NFL on NFL's Instagram account. Oh geez, I'm at the hiccups now. That is not that's unfortunate. You're trying to get into a good football discussion about Antonio Brown, and here come the hiccups. Hitting you hard right there on your own broadcast. As I was saying. Antonio Brown this is a real savage. The man put on, NFL, on the NFL's Instagram when the news came of him being dealt to Buffalo. Fake news. He put up fake news on his own feed on the, NFL, on the NFL's Instagram. That is just cold-blooded. So now we know he's not going to Buffalo. He's now a member of the Oakland Raiders. And already he's on social media. Praising Derek Carr, praising the Raiders. He decided to be an Oakland Raider. Well, Las Vegas Raider pretty soon. And speaking of that with the Raiders, where are they going to play? Because the, the lease to play in Oakland in 2019 is up in the air. Once again, it may happen, it may not happen. The final deal, the final discussion to vote on it goes out tomorrow. And if things aren't settled tomorrow, well... Raider fans, your team, your team might be homeless once again. And I said this before, the Raiders, for one year, this year, be a traveling team. Drop the city moniker. Drop it for 2019. Just be the Raiders and play four games in London. Play four games in whatever city. Go be a traveling team in California. You're not Oakland's team anymore. You're not London. You're not Las Vegas yet. Just be the Raiders, and if it works, play a traveling schedule. See if you can play in San, see if you can play in Santa Clara for a couple of games because it's getting ridiculous. And for all we know, the NFL might just say, "Listen, you guys, we're gonna decide for you. You're gonna go to Santa Clara and share that with the 49ers." Could it happen? Maybe. And we still and they're still in play, San Antonio. That's still in play. But come on, guys. Get this sorted out. The season and schedule has got to be made eventually. Like, we can't wait on the Raiders the entire year what they're going to do. Eventually, it's got to come to an end. It has to. And speaking of where they're going to play, words come out from Saskatchewan, as you might have heard, that they might play a preseason game against the Packers in Regina. In Regina, week three of the preseason. Green Bay and Oakland. In Regina. That is a coup. 
and we discussed this last week briefly on the podcast, I do wonder how Regina got this game. That, to me, for Regina, the Saskatchewan fans, that'll be fun. That'll be a treat for you guys to go see an NFL game with, you might, you could, to see Aaron Rodgers play at Mosaic. I might go. I legitimately might go to see the Packers play Oakland in Mosaic. I'm not joking. I would do it. If I can, we'll see. You never know. You never know. Time will tell if we can make this happen. But I wonder how Regina got this over, say, Edmonton or Vancouver. That's what I wonder. We may figure it out one day. We may not. But to Regina fans, good for you guys to get NFL game from what we know. Not confirmed yet, but it sounds like it's pretty close to being a confirmed thing happening in air. In 2019. It'll be fun. And you know what I like you more about this? Is the fact that you're getting two teams with big name players. Two teams who hopefully, hopefully can turn things around eventually. Because being a Packers fan, 2018 and 2017 were two tough, tough seasons to watch Green Bay football. I have nightmares from Brett Hundley's play over these past couple of years. It's just... It's tough seeing Green Bay struggle and be a sub-8-win team in back-to-back seasons. I mean, it's so hard! Well, okay. That's a big exaggeration, but still, you know what I mean. As an NFL fan, I'm used to the Packers having success in and out. This back-to-back non-playoff nonsense, it's, it's foreign territory to me as a Green Bay fan. It truly is foreign territory. I'm wondering. Should I go try and find Mike? <laughs> oh, his mic has vanished into the abyss. <laughs> he said. Oh, there he is. As he's back on the... There you go. There's Mike running back into the shot again. Has he I'm back to say everything Avery said while I was gone is wrong. Wow. That is, that is quite offensive, Mike. What did you say? Talking about Antonio Brown. Oh, okay. And talking about how the Raiders are still homeless. And Antonio Brown. First, first getting dealt to the Bills, mm-hmm. going on Instagram and telling the NFL fake news, and now being a member of the Oakland Raiders. Well, I guess it was fake news. <laughs> Do you, like, what, what other player, though, would you know in the league to go on Instagram and tell the league fake news besides Antonio Brown? It's the social media age, man. <laughs> That's how trades are breaking now. Players yeah. find out they're traded uh, through Trade Center. That is true. They can break their own trades on Instagram. Yeah, that's the new era, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it was just, I was mentioning when you were gone, how, how weird it was to see Antonio Brown, even before he was dealt, even before the Steelers wanted to trade him, yeah. basically say, yeah, I'm done in Pittsburgh, thanks for the time, it's been fun. Like, that was kind of odd. You know, whenever that, whenever <laughs> that gets brought up, I always think, like, it's so, uh, and you see this go around the NBA a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so easy for GMs to just say, yeah, we're not, we don't like this guy anymore, we're getting him out of here, you know. They, they, they cut players, they trade them, they do whatever they want to make their roster. But people frown upon the players for wanting to make moves for themselves, their own careers, that uh, are impacted uh, because of that. And people, people don't like that. When players demand trades, when they say, well, I want to go here, uh, they think, well, this guy's a trader, he's bad. But when a GM does it uh, and uproots a player's entire life, you know, his, uh, the player may have, you know, bought a house kids have friends they go to school there and a GM yeah, just just on a whim can send a guy across the country to a different country um, because of that so I don't think it's wrong for these players to take uh, the initiative themselves and be like hey I wanted to get traded and, and for even to pick where they get traded or, or at least have some input in it I think that's only fair because they get dealt around like, like their assets and I think they should they're people and they should have a bit of a say in it and if people uh, have a problem with that, I think they have a problem with like labor rights in general. That's the one thing. Again, that's the thing where sports is until a bubble where things that apply in sports don't work as a business. But they should. Like if you're an employee for a business, they can fire you at all times. But if it, if it's also like also you're not allowed to go find a different job, you're stuck <laughs> here forever making this amount. Like that's what I would get. Is is never being able to leave. Uh, uh, or like fans media not allowing players to um, move themselves uh, into situations that may be better for their lives 
because uh, because they're traders. Like it goes back to what we were saying about John Tavares. Like you know, people people can, I, I, and I think you can hate him, uh, and I think that's just because it's fun and it's part of sports and booing people is fun and it looked like a fun game. Uh, it was the best atmosphere for an Islanders game all year. So I think that kind of stuff is great to watch. But at the other hand, you know, actually hating uh, him because he exercises free agent rights is, is a different thing. Yeah, it is. Um, like, you, you get where the difference is? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this much about Antonio Brown. As much as you don't see guys who in the NFL say, you know, they, they're, they're done, mm-hmm. it was clear that his time in Pittsburgh was coming to, It was clear that he had burned every bridge in that city. It was yeah. clear that... The guys didn't like well, it I don't think, I don't it, think was, it needs to be that. If you're on a team and you're not happy with the situation, um, you, don't have to, you don't have to be there. Or they shouldn't make you be there or, or hold you out out of, uh, out of content. Like when, uh, when we said it earlier in the show, like Sean Surrey said something bad about the management, so they sent him to the AHL. Like you should, you should be able to have a bit more control over your career uh, than be at the whim of these this man these management groups. Or if you say anything bad, well now now you're relegated out of the league. Like you're you're if you're good at your craft, you should be able to to pilot yourself and your own career a bit better. Uh, may it be demanding a trade or or exercising your free agency rights. True. You know, I I saw a tweet earlier from someone. Um, did you you follow Tom Opsler on Twitter? Uh, I He's don't a think I do. flames writer. He okay. was saying how being about um, careers that he wants to see the draft abolished and let players coming out of college and junior pick their own fate from day one. I mean, like honestly, that's that's the right idea. Uh, if you do that, you know, you, you're still a cap league. So, you know, uh, the next let's say Jack Hughes comes out, he doesn't want to play for the Oilers, but other teams might not have the cap space to fit him under. Um, and, and you can do it that way, but you really have to, and that really puts it on organizations to build build themselves up and to be good. And, and it does take away that whole tanking fiasco where you can go, uh, and it doesn't make it impossible, but it just goes like, hey, you're not going to be rewarded for losing. Players may not want to go to a losing team. Now, you might not get the top, top end players from the draft, but you all know that there's players who, who slip through the fingertips, Mark Stone, of course, um, Johnny Gaudreau, you know, a lot of guys who, who fall into later rounds of the draft, um, and maybe those guys are just looking for opportunities. So they go to those teams where they might not be stacked at forward or, or defense, and they go, well, this is a team where I can really try to break into the league league with. Where it's like, if you're, if you're Jack Hughes, and you, know, you think you can make $8 million or $10 million right now, you're already making the Eichel, Matthews, McDavid money because he's that good. And you go, well, Pittsburgh is offering me $10 million. Yeah, you go to Pittsburgh, and you be part of a great team with a, with a great leader. You're not stuck in Edmonton or, or uh, Ottawa. But if you're maybe a later round, you're, you're slated to be like a 20 to 30th pick, uh, and you go like, well, maybe this team doesn't have the depth for me. You're Brady Kachuk. You want to play in the league right now. Then you go to a team where there's room for you, and... And as the you know, there's been draft busts that don't turn yeah. out the same way. Um, there's been guys who hit later in the draft. So I don't think that would completely erase being able to rebuild, but it would put more emphasis on on having a strong organization. Where right now, uh, being a, uh, a clusterfuck organization is rewarded with with good draft picks. I know one thing too. We mentioned this, like, that I think. Um it would, it would go a little more like um, European soccer, like um, English soccer, where you have the five or six teams who win, and maybe the occasional Leicester City, yeah. where out of nowhere the bottom team, the bottom team comes and gets together. But, but that's also that's also a system with relegation, and, it, and it which would really, never work here in North America. Well, I mean, like I think it's a better system because again, like I'm just tired. I'm just tired of these leagues um, incentivizing losing. And it's gotten so bad in, in baseball where teams won't sign any free agents because they're like, well, uh, we're, we're going to tank, which is really weird because, because, one, in baseball, the draft picks are so much more hit and miss. It is, yeah. And you have these big stadiums where, like, Bryce Harper signs with the Phillies. They mm-hmm. sell more jer- Bryce Harper jerseys in 24 hours than any other jersey ever in, the, in that initial period, more than LeBron James Lakers jerseys. They, sign, they sell Bryce Harper Phillies jerseys. Their ticket sales skyrocket. They mm-hmm. sold like 40,000 tickets in a day. That's where your revenue comes from. Yeah. Why aren't you, like if you're the, the Toronto Blue Jays, if you're, if you're any team in the league, 
why aren't you signing these players? Why aren't you trying to be competitive? And, and people think, well, we can be competitive on a budget. And, and sometimes that's true. Like the correlation between so, the correlation between like, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers were a decent team last year. Uh, but, and, and they are smaller payroll. The Oakland A's have, always have had a smaller payroll. And obviously they're famous for making it work with less money. Exactly. But what teams do you always see consistently winning lately? The Yankees have always won. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox walked to yep. a World Series win. And they did that because they said, hey, David Price, we're going to pay you an unreal amount of money. Hey, uh, J.D. Martinez, we're going to pay you an unreal amount of money. Plus they drafted and developed their prospects well. You, you can do both. And I don't think, like, if you're a team like the Toronto Blue Jays, you're waiting for guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, um, J- uh, Casey J- uh, Jansen, uh, to be real big leaders, mm-hmm. but what's to say you don't sign Bryce Harper? He's still going to be in his prime in three years. Yeah, you sell you Dallas Keuchel. In everyone's offering him a three-year deal. Give him a four or five-year deal, and guess what? He's still probably going to be pretty good. And th- that like you have all this money. You're the you're the ri- one of the you're richest owned teams by in Rogers. Baseball. Yeah, who also makes money off of your TV deal with Rogers? Like I don't know why it makes zero. Sense. You have almost infinite. You're you're owned by a. Canadian Telecom old gobbly. Like, they got consumers by the throat, and they're still not willing to make money, to pay money to make because the team Because to them, yeah, baseball is not the top priority to them. Baseball is, like, well, number but, but, six. But that, which, sorry, sorry, we're, and we're getting aside from the point. The, t- the yeah. point isn't, like, the Blue Jays not spending. It's all teams not spending, except right, for a couple, which are going to win. And, and people go, like, well, you're not going to compete with them. Then why are you even a part of it? It's true. And you made a really good point about the fact that the baseball draft is a lot more myth. You, do you recall the name uh, Mark Appel? No. He was a um, Astros top, I think, like top five to the Astros in 2014. And he's now, people, he's retired now because he was a chemist prospect yeah. who was a bust. His ERA in AA a couple of years ago was 9.74. Right. And, and you know, <laughs> the best prospects, the best po- prospects in baseball the last two years, who are they? Vicaro Jr., yep. Shohei Otani. Mm hmm. Were those guys drafted? No, they just no. went and signed contracts. And that's what you're saying with the NHL. Yeah. You could just do that. But, and, well, and that's, but that's how well, you build. Like, you just go out and find guys, yeah. sell, sell them on your organization, give them a chance, and that's how these teams are being built. But you to just overlook good players and say, like, oh, we're not going to pay you that. Yeah. They're worth that money. And that money comes, like, winning breeds money for your organization. And that's what I don't get. It, but if you're, if you're a manager, it goes back... Like, at least Peter Shirelli thought what he was doing in his heart, quote, um, was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, um, baseball managers and, and executives are just being disingenuous. Yeah. And it's funny because in, in uh, Miami, the Marlins trade everybody. They trade every single player. They trade the bad boy. They trade the first fans in Section 105. Yeah, they trade the NL MVP. And then Derek Jeter says, um, I want to win this year. Yeah. With what, Derek? With what? With what? You you might win 50 games. Well, at least him saying he wants to win is refreshing because obviously these other GMs don't care. Like, the Jays are in a position where they could be a second wildcard team pretty easy. Yeah. Th- that, that spot's pretty open. But they decided that they're just going to sign replacement-level guys to buy time. But it's like you only have so much time. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, like, can the fans trust you to make those free agent moves or make the good trades when the window is open if, if you're not showing it? Right, um, like, and it also that that kind of goes on to the fans. Like, I see people saying, like, well, if Stroman or Sanchez have good years, we can trade them for prospects. What's what's wrong with having good players on your team? Why I is every time a guy's good, you're like, well, then we can trade them for prospects? No, you have Guerrero Jr., you have Bo Bichette, you have all of these guys. You have one of the best prospect systems in baseball. You do. Why do you need more? No, you need to take you're take you're in the stage now where you gathered all the prospects, you dismantled the team uh, the, uh, from when you won uh, when you went to the ALCS back to back. You dismantled that team, which was the right thing to do. They were all they weren't going to get it done again. It worked out, and you got all these players. So that was the right thing to do. Uh, the team's not competitive anymore, but you have all these players. But that's not to say that that's the thing you do in perpetuity. No, you take these good players now, and then they become your stars, and then you try to win. It's not just like, like, what? Is, is Bo Bichette going to be good? And be like, well, when he's good, we can trade him for the next Bo Bichette? Like, like what kind of logic is that? Right. So, <laughs> like, if you're if you're a Jays fan, 
which I am, I'm hoping Stroman and Sanchez have good years, and then they stick with the team, and then we have two good pitchers. Like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with having <laughs> good players on your team? They're still they're still on multi-year deals. It's not like they're free, pending free agents that you have to get rid of. That's a different story. And it's like, you, you have guys like uh, Clay Buckles, who's coming in on a one-year deal, and you go, well, if he plays well, you can trade him at the deadline. But I'd like to think, uh, in the whole thing where... Like we talked at the top of the show, we talked about the Oilers, uh, people uh, having hope in the Oilers. And it's not so much having hope as it's just like you're tired of watching your team lose and not yeah. being good enough. So it's like, wouldn't, would you rather um, trade all your guys for, for maybes at the deadline year after year? Or would you rather go like, hey, I hope this guy's good so maybe we can have something to cheer about and be fans? Like, <laughs> I just don't understand cheering for a player to be good so he can be traded for someone who may be good later. Exactly, and with the Blue Jays, it's not like these guys are old. It's no, not like th- it's not like these guys are thirty. It's not like Sanchez and Stroman are thirty-five years old, and you know you just want to get something for them. And I get the idea of like signing guys to one-year deals so you can trade them at the deadline. I think that's smart, but I wouldn't. I would rather sign guys who are good and you can keep, and you're trying to win. Absolutely. As a fan, I don't know why you would want anything else from your executive, and I get rebuilding. But why not put yourself in a position to have accidental success? Like, why is signing? Why, why, why sign uh, Shoemaker rather than Keuchel? Like to save some money. But it's like that's not your job. Isn't to save money. It's to win baseball games. Wouldn't you rather have Guerrero Jr. come up to a franchise that wins games and has uh, what executives love to do? Say the culture of winning. Would you rather give him the culture of winning rather than a culture of like, yeah, you know, we're just we're having a season. We got some ball players. We're gonna play. A, we're for sure gonna field a team for 162 games, and we're pretty happy about that. No, you wanna you wanna be a part of an organization that's out there to win. That's what these guys are there for. So so it's it's really it's really odd, and it's not just the Jays. It's a bunch of teams who just don't care. They don't care anymore about yeah. winning, and they think that. They'll still make money, but reducing payroll, and, and they'll make more money. And I don't think... It's like baseball is a sport that's making billions upon billions in growth still. And they're not passing that on to the players. But And, and that's that's a labor issue, which I'm passionate about. But in also sense, just as a fan, you want to see your team try to win. Yeah, like... And it, not balk. You mentioned the Jays. This is a team that's been to the playoffs twice in the past 26 seasons. And how much money did they make... Was selling out all those games, and now you're gonna have you have forty thousand, forty five thousand seat stadium. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get fifteen to twenty thousand people there most nights. Yeah, like how is that better for your business? It's not. Like, it really isn't. Because when I've been, I when I went to games, when I moved to Toronto, I was there in 2013, 2014. No one really cared. The Jays were a bad ball club. Mm. 2015, 2016 comes around. And you can't get a ticket to get in. Right. You can't get in there. I'll ping an arm. Why is that bad? Like, <laughs> why is that bad? It's like it's. Twenty sixteen, they made it as the wild card team. Yeah. Twenty sixteen, I was at City Hall. I was at City Hall, Mike. When I watched, I was there for twenty fifteen. I was there for the infamous game against the Rangers. I was there at City Hall for a wild card game, and there was thousands of people in City Hall watching playoff baseball. How many jerseys? How much merchandise are you selling? Like yeah. the number, the ads for Rogers, the ad sales on the TV channel that they own. Stacks of money this team was stacks making. Stacks of money, teams, and and, and maybe we're overlooking like, because because you know, it it goes back to either these guys either we're missing something or the guys who are in charge of the thing are are incompetent. And I don't think uh, Shapiro and Atkins are incompetent. I, I I do think they're building something, but. I think my comment is more broadly across teams across the spectrum where they, they give up before it's even happened. Yeah. And, and I don't know how you – like the Pittsburgh Pirates do that all the time. They, they never spent anything and they never do anything, but they want fans to come to the games. And it's just like, why? The why pi- would they come? The Pirates why would they cheer for your team? Why would they – why are you asking people to care about you and your brand when you clearly have contempt for them and yeah. their – Interests. Like, you want to talk about bad teams? The bunch of oils being bad. The Pittsburgh Pirates, oh my gosh. Yeah. That is next level. They went 20 years without a winning record. Yeah. Without, no, 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 playoffs. Without a winning record. Right. Like, that's insane. You, how would you tolerate not even being 500 for 20 years? And it's just, 
Like there, there's there's incompetence in all realms of sports, baseball. But I just it's just it's just so funny to see teams collectively all collude to be like, oh, what if what if none of us are good except for like the Yankees and the Red Sox? It's just logic. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> top of the hour, man. Yes. Give all sponsors. Right. Yeah, I, I did that. See, oh. I paid the I paid the bills already. Nice. But I'll do. I'll get, before we get to our trivia, I'll ask you one more thing. <laughs> Have you seen the? Have you seen, uh, you're not a soccer fan, really, but did you watch the incident in regards to a fan evading a pitch in England? No. It was a game of Birmingham and Aston Villa. It happened okay. uh, yesterday. And Aston Villa and Birmingham is a big rivalry in English soccer. Okay. A Birmingham fan attacked Aston Villa's captain. Oh, ran to the field oh I did. He just punched him. him in the back of the head. Yeah. That was wild. And thankfully he was okay. I mean, even funnier, he scored the game winning goal. He scored oh, the nice. game winner. Now... People are saying that the fan, of course, the fans now in jail for 14 weeks and banned from the stadium for 10 years. Now, do you I'll think get how you ban people from stadiums? By the way, I'm not getting ID'd every time I go. No, in, but... but my thing is that to me, if you wear a, inv- wear a mask, if you invade a pitch in, or or ice or a field over it, and you assault a player, that should always be automatic jail sentence. It should be me personally automatic jail all the time. Oh yeah. You can't run to a it's just assault a it's just, and do that. I can't. Can. I, I can't just go into the mall and, and punch someone in the back of the head. <laughs> I just. I feel like it should be the same. Yeah, and people want to say, like, oh, you know, that's the sporting culture. That's just fans. Did anyone? Fan. Did anyone come out and say like, well, if this happened at a hockey game, they would they would punch they cave this guy's face in. Of these soccer, they did. these soccer wusses, they can't defend <laughs> themselves. They're they're like they need an enforcer on the pitch in case a fan comes out there and wants to rough up their stars. Like you're getting those takes. Of course they, yeah. Uh, like it's just. But I watched I watched a YouTube video and there was about ten players surrounding this fan on both teams. If they wanted to, they would have pummeled this guy to the ground, but he didn't. They showed restraint. Yeah, people underestimate soccer hooligans. Like, it's just, it blows me away, though, how there's this culture still in a sport like soccer of fans throwing things at players and assaulting players. In North America... That's bad. Like, it's just, it's weird how that's still a thing in that side of the world, but you would never see that. You never see in NHL, of, you won't see... Like fans in hockey, fans in basketball, fans in baseball, don't consistently try to run to the field and attack a player or do something like that. Because the players or throw are tough. Things at, well, they're not weak European soft guys. They're tough. All... They, you go onto the ice or hockey uh, hockey rink, those players are gonna pummel your face in. <laughs> like I don't know, it's such a weird culture because even in South America, they have fences. Soccer South so, America, South America. That happens to a guy in South America. One of the players would just take out a gun and shoot him. Like, Did that happen? Didn't some guy shoot a ref in the face? Yeah. Yeah, like, see, I'm not even wrong. <laughs> you don't know. I'm not even in, exaggerating. In Brazil. In Brazil, Mike, a couple of years ago. Now, this is maybe the craziest story I've ever heard in my life about soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like an like a amateur game in, I can't remember what town it was. Player assaults referee. Yeah. Referee pulls out a knife, stabs player. Player dies. Fans come back for the official. Fans literally stone the referee. Referee dies from being stoned on the field. Sports. <laughs> and it gets, it gets even crazier, Mike. And we wrap things. It gets even crazier. Referee is dead. Yeah. What do the fans do? They chop his body up with, the, with knives, machetes, put his head on the stake, put his head in midfield. Damn. That's a true story. I'm in 2012. One more thing before we wrap up the show <laughs> that Avery might not have seen, but I saw when I took my momentary break. Yes. Um, Morgan Riley uh, was caught on camera today calling the referee of the Tampa Bay uh, Maple Leaf game uh, a homophobic slur. Oh dear, look. Uh, it was, uh, he was called uh, uh, beep, beep. Was, oh. He said, he called him uh, fucking and then I'm not going to say the word but it starts with an F and has some G's in it. Well, I'm sure you can figure I it out. I just censored that first part out again but either way, I'm seeing what was said and yeah, no, I've either way. i on the show before. I'm just making more work for Avery. Well, either well, either way, saying that to officials is very bad. That is not a good look. For you shouldn't say that to anyone. No. And like, and if if the Leafs and the NHL both care about this is like hockey's for everyone month, isn't this? Isn't this Pride Month? It's some uh, or they want to keep saying they that. they want to keep yeah. Uh, if if the Le- if like okay one, it should be the Leafs in house sin. Like it they, should be yes. But at minimum, like if that doesn't happen. The, the league should step in but like there's no re- reason you should play the next what five games and you're, you're a league saying you want to be inclusive and then these players get caught doing this stuff or, or are doing it and not caught mm. but it's like you have to 
You have to sh- like put put action into place. You have to. Remember, and it already happened with Andrew Shaw. He did, Andrew, Andrew Shaw did it before, mm-hmm. and it's clear no one learned. No, it's clear no one learned. But it's like it goes to show like that is the culture that exists in sports. Yeah. And as much as they want to come out and say like, oh, we're all inclusive, it's not. But like, put your money where your mouth is and and suspend them for real. No. Like, and f- how much did Shaw get? Three games, two games? Yeah, three games. Three games. So so five. Like, and make it go up every time it happens. There's no reason Morgan Riley shouldn't have learned from that. And anyone who says, oh, it's the heat of the moment, guys get mad. I'd be like, I've said a lot. I've been in the heat of the moment a lot. I can get I can get pretty confrontational or I like yelling. Um, but I've never gone there. That's no. not a thing anyone should say. And, exactly. And that's disgusting. And even, and come on, Morgan. There are better insults than that. Like, English language is yeah. vast if you're insulting a fish. True. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. Like, Travis I, Konecki uh, called uh, giving you Malkin a nerd. Yeah. That was funny. Like, you can call people nerds, but don't do slurs. Like, it's really easy. <laughs> it's really easy to slam. Uh, just, like, open up your handbook and be like, uh, yeah, don't call people slurs. Um, that's just lazy on Morgan's part. And he should be punished for that. Mm-hmm. And anyway, all right, time for trivia before we go. A trivia question will do for dinner for two for Hallie's. Food only. No alcohol is included in that. I'm getting you, drunk on Avery's dime. No, you're not. And also, you must, not have, you must not have won in the past 30 days. You can't be going in every single week trying to win. doesn't work that way. Got to give us some time for other people to win dinner here at Hallie's. Mm-hmm. It's a good dinner. Yeah, yeah, Mike's enjoyed food over here. So let's see for trivia. What should our trivia question be? We're talking about, you know, we're talking about Blue Jays. We're talking about all that fun stuff. You know what? I'll make it a. I'll make it a. I'll make it a question about um, Marcus Stroman. Who Marcus Stroman's first win come against in major leagues? What team did he defeat in his first major league start? I don't know, but maybe you do. Yeah. Maybe you do. Anyways, so time we have for episode forty-four of the Brian Avery Hour. Well, the Avery and Mike Hour tonight. This is Mike Wilson. I mean, if you're Lewis McDougal, we'll be back next week with possibly a special guest. We'll find out who soon. It's not me. <laughs> no, it, it will not be. Until it is. We shall see. Anyways, we're Thanks out. Thanks for having me. Bye. Later.